Welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. We're a church in Manchester who love Jesus, each other, and our city. Catch up on this week's message and more. Amen. Thank you so much, Neil. Hi. Hello there. My name's Katie. Um, If you are here for the first time, it's so great to see you here. Or if you, there's a few faces in this room that used to be here a while ago and are now visiting. It's so good to see your faces this morning. Um, If you don't know me, my name's Katie. I've been around this church family since I was 11 or 12, mum and dad. 11 or 12 and I am now on staff I do youth and students uh, and I absolutely love it and we're in a a series at the moment called open hands that's looking at that scripture that John uh, spoke out in worship which is Philippians 2 and 5 to 11 looking at this picture of Jesus being the open-handed king and that uh, reference that he read out says this about Jesus Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so what we're doing in this series is looking at what that means for us, at the invitation for us to live an open-handed life. And John, a couple of weeks ago, looked at what it looks like to give up control and actually to receive surrender, to let go and receive surrendering our life and the desire to control. And last week, Andy led us in looking at open-handed worship. And so this week, um, I'm going to be looking at open hands, time. Thanks for the ooze. Um, because God cares about how we spend our time. And there's one specific biblical practice that I'm actually going to focus on this morning, and that is the biblical practice of the Sabbath. Hands up if you have heard of the Sabbath before. Great, that is a really good gauge for me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at what the Bible says about Sabbath, what Jesus says about the Sabbath, and then I'm going to look at some practicalities because I want to challenge us as a church community this morning. What would it be like if we became a community who were well rested, who were open-handed with our time, who received the gift that the Sabbath is and was always meant to be to us? But a little condition. It is a really rich topic and there is a limit to what I'm going to be able to offer and invite us into this morning. So I've actually done like a little resources slide at the end with books and podcasts and blogs because I don't want anyone to think that this is it for it or I can capture it in this amount of time. If this sparks something in you, I want to point you to the right places so that you can go deep and hear God for yourself on what the Sabbath might look like in your life and your context. But before we go further into that, where are we at at the moment? I imagine most of us in this room have plenty of things that are taking up our time. Isn't it funny that we live in a culture where actually it's kind of cool to be busy? We don't really like saying that we've got too much free time. We fill our time with plenty of things, whether that's your job, whether that's education, whether that's your relationships, your friendships, your marriage, your partner, your kids, your social life, your kids' social life, your kids' clubs, your clubs, sports. There are plenty of things, right, that are taking for and vying for our time, including church. 
I'm sure we can say there are plenty of things like we just looked at in those notices of great things that are going on in church, but they're asking something of your time. And that's got to be acknowledged. And so is it any wonder that we as a people and we as Western society are exhausted? I don't think that's too broad a statement for me to say. There are a few statistics on what that might uh, on what the exhaustion looks like actually at the moment that were done this year. 79% of British adults feel stressed at least once a month. So that's on a regular basis. Really, really sad, but the age group that experienced the highest amount of stress was 18 to 24 year olds. 90% of them would say that they were stressed once a month and one in 14 of UK adults feel stressed every day. Now, we might sit here and think, yeah, well, that sounds pretty normal or that's more for me. I'm really sad that that's normal, friends. Like, I don't believe that's the kingdom. I don't know if you do. I don't believe that that's what God wants for my life or for, for me. You add children into the mix of that, the joy, the wonder that is children. But some statistics, 66% of working parents reported being burnt out. In fact, burnout is now a recognized medical condition by the World Health Organization. The same guys that said COVID was a real disease are saying that burnout is a real medical condition. And burnout was strongly associated with a further diagnosis of depression or anxiety. We are in a sorry state, friends when it comes to our souls and time. And even though the things that are looking for our time are good and really good things, I believe that what God's inviting us into is to reorder our time around him open-handedly. To say, Lord, show me how to order my time because I believe there is a way of life for me to live that is well rested. Jesus puts it like this in one of my favorite verses, Matthew 11. 28 to 13. I'm going to read it in the message translation because Eugene Peterson translates it beautifully, friends. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Why don't we pray? Why don't you open up your hands? And whilst you're opening up your hands, why don't you think about the things that are taking your time, maybe even right now, that are actually asking for your attention the things that you might have to do this afternoon or in this week. And let's open our hands to pray. Lord, we come to you. Show us how to recover our lives. Show us how to take real rest. Show us the unforced rhythms of grace. Show us, Jesus, how to live freely and lightly and open-handedly. Amen. Great. Turn to the person next to you. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes. Um, have you ever done a Sabbath before? What do you think a Sabbath entails? 
and share that experience with the person next to you. Couple of minutes, off you go. Awesome. Going to bring it back together. Hopefully this has sparked a little bit of a conversation of Sabbath. We've got things to say on it. And so I'm hoping that by the end of today, we can all go away and have great lunchtime chats about how we want to start Sabbath and what that might look like. But we're going to turn to the Bible to have a look at what the Bible says about the practice of Sabbath. Sabbath, uh, the English word, is from the Hebrew word Shabbat. Can everyone say Shabbat? Shabbat, not Shabbat. It doesn't quite make sense, does it, with the Shabbat? Um, Sorry, I don't know where that came from. It first appears in the Bible in Genesis 2, after the uh, creation story. So uh, God created the world in six days. If you think that's metaphorical or allegorical, let's park that for now in terms of time. And on the seventh day, it says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he... Shabbat rested from all his work he had done. And so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. The word holy there that's used is kadosh. Can everyone say kadosh? We've got Shabbat and kadosh. Shabbat, kadosh. It almost sounds like Marco Polo now, doesn't it? We could shout it from across the... uh, Marco. Um, Kadosh, holy, means set apart different or uncommon. And so God made Shabbat, the Sabbath, stopping holy, different, set apart, and uncommon. And he rested from all his work that he had done in creation. It's interesting to look at the order of this. Did you know that man was created on the sixth day and the first day that man gets to enjoy in creation is Shabbat, the first thing we're invited to do with God in the Garden of Eden that Adam was invited to do was to stop and to rest. 
hopefully that tells us something about the way that we should be ordering our time. And this picture in creation isn't one of an exhausted God racing to the end of the week because it's been deadline week. Like he's really been crushing, creating the world and he's just like crawling to the seventh day for a rest. No, it is a delighted God entering into the seventh day as the completion of creation. The Lord didn't create the world in just six days. It was in the full seven days. And that enjoyment that on that, on that seventh day is as much a part of creation as the other six. So what does that mean for us? Well, it becomes a commandment. The Sabbath, to keep the Sabbath, is in the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments appear twice in the Bible, in Exodus and in Deuteronomy. But we're going to look at the commandment in Deuteronomy this morning. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to Deuteronomy 5, uh, or if you have a phone, 12. So Deuteronomy 5, 12. The commandment to keep the Sabbath, and it says this. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. So no one should be putting their hamsters and guinea pigs to work on the Sabbath, friends. And that is the wisdom that comes from this commandment. I know it is a commandment. And what we learn from this is that it's a day, it's a 24-hour period, and it is for all people. There is no one who is exempt here from the Sabbath, which means there is no one with too important a job to Sabbath. No one who is too important to Sabbath, whether you're a CEO or whether you're not a CEO. We're not going to compare jobs. They're all important. It's holy. It's different. It's set apart. And it was made for community. The Sabbath isn't friends, a self-care day, a withdraw, an introvert's dream, a take yourself entirely on your own. That can totally be part of, part of it. But actually the Sabbath is a day to enter into resting together with your household. Oh, not there. With your household, with your donkey, with your ox. You're all resting together. In fact, even the visitors in your household or in your towns even the strangers, some translations say the alien, aliens, the foreigners, even they are required and asked to rest by God. Because there are blessings that come with remembering the Sabbath. I mean, first and foremost, if we look back at the picture of Jesus, Actually, taking a Sabbath and opening our hands up to say, God, you order my time, actually says, I believe that you are God and no better than me. You know how my time should be ordered. Here, have at it. Help me. We humble ourselves when we say, actually, I'm not too proud to take a Sabbath, to rest. The world will continue. It's been there before. It will continue to be there afterwards. But there are specific blessings that come. And we see this in um, 
verse 15 in Deuteronomy, after this commandment, it's the only commandment, by the way, that has a reason to it. You don't see uh, do not murder followed by because it's bad and frowned upon heavily by society and God. But actually, Deuteronomy 15 has this reason to why we keep the Sabbath. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. The Lord your God who won your freedom is saying, come and remember the freedom I won for you by observing the Sabbath. We would be naive, friends, to believe that we're not enslaved to things today. It might not be Egypt. It might be the idol of productivity. It might be the idol of who I think I should be or could be. It might be the better version of a parent that I am, the better version of a person, the better looking part of me that I am. Actually, I want freedom from that. And the Sabbath is a day where the Lord invites me to receive it, to rest from it, the constant self-improvement machine, the constant self-made machine that we're all in. And so I wonder if each of us embraced the Sabbath, where we would notice the freedom that we find. Would it be freedom from online shopping and having to have more things? Any students that have been around for the past couple of years will know from my student night confessions, TikTok held me captive for some time. If you don't know what TikTok is, because you're a boomer, then uh, it's a short form video that's like two, four seconds long that you flick through and they're usually funny things or they're info videos or the recipe videos. And I am not exaggerating when I tell you I could sit down, get home from work, sit down on the sofa and um, four hours would go by and I would not have moved and maybe I've consumed hundreds if not a thousand videos. Short form videos, right? And, and it was like this addictive thing that I would open up my phone, or Instagram's another one for me, open up my phone, I've had to remove it from being anywhere on my home screen because my default was to go on that, and there you go, see you later half an hour at least. There are absolutely things in this world that are keeping us captive. And we might say, yeah, we've, we've got free will. No, I'm choosing to go on that platform. I'm choosing to spend my time there. I am not making good long-term decisions. Good short-term, sure, because it's a buzz, <laughs> but terrible long-term decisions. Because I'm going, this is what I want to do with my time. This is my freedom. This is my free will, God. He's saying, no, open up your hand to me. Ask me what I want you to do with this time. Find life. Find out how to live freely and lightly. So I wonder what freedom we would notice because freedom is a blessing of the Sabbath, regardless of how busy we feel. It's not meant to be another thing that we're to do. It's meant to be a release. And it's meant to be freedom. In Exodus, later on after the, um, the commandments, there's an explanation where the Lord says something extra to Moses about the Sabbath. It's in Exodus 35. Uh, and it says this. And the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, 
sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. And whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. That is a costly consequence, isn't it? It's serious. God's command to keep the Sabbath is a serious one. If he took it seriously enough to do it at the end of creating the world, we really should be taking it seriously enough. And you could think, well, in an Old Testament context, sure, death, I understand that's the way that they make the law work. But what we were looking at before, those statistics of burnout and stress, that sure sounds like death to me. And that's sure having a consequence on my health, on my mental health, on the quality of life that I'm living. And here, this blessing, it's a sign between generations that goes through generations, which means that statistic about 18 to 24 year olds feeling more stressed. I don't want that for our kids. I want our kids to grow up genuinely believing like I love resting. I've grown up believing I, I love to stop, to say no to things and to enjoy God and enjoy the people around me. Stress, what's that? Wouldn't that be a dream, guys? Wouldn't that be the kingdom? And whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. The Sabbath is ultimately care for our souls. And so the blessings that come from observing the Sabbath, freedom, Life and life beyond this generation into the next generation and belonging. Belonging to God and belonging to others. For years and years and years and years, Sabbath has identified the Jewish people. The Jewish community it has kept them together as a people who, to belong, who belong to one another. And that ultimately is the call for us too as the body of Christ, right? We belong to God and we belong to one another. And so what would it look like if we became a body of people who rested, who belonged, who had life and were free? Surely that is going to have an impact on the world around us, right? Surely that is going to be the way that the world sees the better way of life that God has for us. There's this beautiful quote by a Jewish teacher called Abraham Joshua Heschel. I've put his book at the end because if you read one, if you are hungry to learn more about the Sabbath, if you read one book on the Sabbath, I promise you, you will not regret this one. It is deeply rich. This man lived his life Sabbathing. In fact, the foreword is written by his daughter reflecting on their shared Sabbaths that they did throughout his life. And he says this about the Sabbath. We must say farewell to manual work and learn to understand the world has already been created and will survive without the help of man. Six days a week, we wrestle with the world, wringing profit from the earth. And on the Sabbath, we especially care for the seed of eternity planted in the soul. The world has our hands, but our souls belong to someone else. 
The world has our hands, but our soul belongs to someone else. What would it look like, friends, if the whole world Sabbathed? If for one day, for one 24-hour period, people didn't buy stuff online, you would disrupt fast fashion in a moment if for 24 hours no one bought anything from, I was about to drop some names, but I probably shouldn't, the places that shouldn't be turning over fabric as quickly as they are and shouldn't be exploiting people as much as they are. Or at all, sorry, not as much. As much, promise, (laughs) that's what I meant. No, (laughs) at all. Please, Holy Spirit, help me again. Where are you? Um, Climate change. If at one 24-hour period, factories stopped, industry stopped, pollution stopped, popping out to the shops to buy things just stopped. An interruption to the way that the world was. We saw it at the beginning of lockdown, right? Did anyone see those videos of animals returning to the city centres now we weren't occupying them? Gosh, that was a little like, God, is this what you meant? Is this what it's supposed to be like? What would it look like if the whole world Sabbathed? When Jewish people enter into the Sabbath, uh, they usually do this on a Friday night to a Saturday night. That's the traditional rhythm for them. And on a Friday night, they turn to each other and they say, Shabbat Shalom. Turn to the person next to you. Say Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. And that word, Shabbat, means to stop. And Shalom means peace. But the type of peace it means is the peace that is the wholeness God gave us in the Garden of Eden. And so when they turn to each other and say Shabbat Shalom, what they mean is stop and receive the wholeness that was meant for you in the Garden of Eden. Stop to receive the wholeness that was meant for you in the Garden of Eden. So what does Jesus do about the Sabbath? Well, if you were here earlier this year, we looked at the Sermon on the Mount and there's a verse in there that says, Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it. And some people could look at the things that Jesus gets up to on the Sabbath and at a glance be like, this guy's not resting. He's out healing people. He's out casting demons out of people. The Pharisees get very upset in Mark 2 specifically because he's out on a hike with his mates and they start plucking at some corn. They're like, whoa, 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 you're harvesting. It's like, I'm not harvesting. I'm just here with my mates. Chill out, Pharisees. But actually, Jesus knew the real intention behind the Sabbath. Jesus knew the Sabbath was always meant for freedom. So, of course, he's going to cast out demons. The Sabbath was always meant for life. So, of course, he's going to bring healing to Peter's mother-in-law. The Sabbath was meant for people and belonging. So, of course, he's going to go out for a walk with the disciples. Like He knew it wasn't about rules and regulations. It was about the gift that God wanted to give to people. And he says in Mark 2, when he's um, rebuking the Pharisees for telling him off about breaking the Sabbath, he says, Sabbath was made for the man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for the man, not man for the Sabbath. Which means that Sabbath is a gift. 
for you to receive with your open hands if you would let him organize and order your time and say, I give you a 24-hour period of my week, Lord God. Show me how to order the rest of it. So being open-handed with our time through Sabbath allows us to let go of control and stress and pressure and simply receive the gift that is Sabbath. But how do we do that? Hopefully, you agree with me, it's a good thing. That was my presentation on how Sabbath is a good thing for us to do. But how do we do that? I appreciate there are people in different places in this room. If you are an individual and solely responsible for yourself, or even if you're married, retired, but your kids are older, it is a very different um, proposal that I'm putting to you of, hey, would you like to try a Sabbath than if you have young kids? And I ain't pretending, friends, <laughs> that it's not the same. In lockdown, Andy and I were pretty newly married and we were pretty sick of just every day blurring into one. And so we decided to keep a strict Sabbath. We'd start on a Friday night. We would cook steak, get a bottle of wine in, switch off our phones, wake up the next day, have a lie in, fool around, uh, go for a walk, read some stuff, have a great time, friends. I have no shame that I said that. It's good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. We would have a great time on the Sabbath. If any parents with young kids would like to come and experience one of those Sabbaths, you're going to need a babysitter, a weekend off, some extra things involved in that, right? It, the ask isn't the same, is it? And so I just want to acknowledge that from the outset. And to the parents in the room, I don't want this to sound like another thing that has to be done that's like, oh, but I'm trying really hard to be a good person and a good parent and a good Christian and all of these things. No, it is, it is meant for freedom, friends. And so I want to give us some tips on how we start, how we start to explore the Sabbath. And my tip number one is try it. Just try it. There's no pressure. There's no success or failure. I think it's probably an oxymoron to say that you're smashing the Sabbath. I'm not sure that can go together. Like winning at the Sabbath, I'm not sure that's a good thing <laughs> for the humility piece. Come at it with curiosity and adventure. If you have young kids, what better way than being like, hey guys, we're going to have this special day once a week. We're going to choose some things to do together. We're going to be super intentional about it. We're going to pick a meal. What kind of food do you fancy on Friday night? We're going to share it together. My second tip, pick a time. At the beginning, it might feel like all you can afford is an afternoon or a morning, but that is better than nothing, friends. And it might be that that then increases to a whole 24-hour period, which I, I think is what God's inviting us into. But then protect that time and prepare for it. And so protecting that time might look like saying no to things. Might look like saying no to church things, friends. That's okay. That's really okay. Prepare for it. We would go shopping in the week to make sure that we didn't have to nip out and get any things beforehand. We would plan who was going to cook the dinner. We would plan activities that we would have with our friends so that it wasn't getting to the day and then being like, oh, it's here, quick, what am I going to do? Actually, I've seen it, I've protected it, I've prepared for it, and now I get to enjoy it. 
Next, minimize the virtual. Social media, online gaming, binge watching TV. I'm really into the Gilmore Girls at the moment. Shout out if anyone knows the Gilmore Girls. Way more people than I thought. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not alone. And um, a Sabbath would not contain me binge watching that. As delightful as it is, like the reality is, I don't think anyone really feels that great after binge watching tons and tons of episodes. You usually feel like a bit empty afterwards, like you've invested in someone else's life instead of your own. Um, maybe that's an overshare on my part. Um, social media. So often social media is all about just showing us what we don't have and what, who we aren't. Like actually, freedom on the Sabbath is a day free from that. From wanting more or wanting to be someone different. Maximize the actual. Maximize the actual nature, connection, experience. I'm not saying the TV is bad in the other one. It might be that you enter into the Sabbath by organizing a movie night with your family where everyone puts their phones away and you get tons of different snacks and you treat it like a cinema and you print out tickets and it's really fun and exciting. That is a beautiful experience to have. Yeah, but the attitude towards it isn't I'm just going to escape by watching whatever comes up on Netflix and that reminder that says, are you still watching this? Judgy, right? It's not that. It's I've protected and prepared for this. This is going to be a fab experience with my family and my friends. Connection, inviting people over, inviting your friends over. For those of you that are just responsible for, for yourselves uh, and don't have kids at home, it isn't a day to withdraw and be on your own. And same for families, like invite people over to come and break a Sabbath with you, to share an experience with you, to have fun with you, to go out for walks with you, because we were made to do Sabbath together. And so I would love to see us as a community embrace the Sabbath. I would love in six months time us to be like the most rested group of people where everything that we do is flowing out of this place of being so open-handed with our time and receiving the rest that God has for us and wants to invite us into. I'm going to throw up the resources slide that I promised right back at the beginning of books that you can read and podcasts that you might want to go on. John Mark Comer really has done so much work on the Sabbath and he's just released a four-part podcast that goes into depth of the principles and just loads more stuff for it. So um, if you want to dive into that more, please take a photo. And parents, there's a couple blogs on there on how to Sabbath with your kids, like tips and tricks. And if you find stuff that's really helpful, let's share it with one another. Let's talk about it together. Yeah. What would it look like if we became well-rested people, people who were open-handed with our time and received rest? Hope you enjoyed today's message. If you want to find out more, head to our website, findlife.co.uk, or follow us on Instagram. God bless, and see you soon. <laughs>